There they go. I always love watching them run out of here. They're so happy. Yeah, run out of here. Well, this morning was quite an adventure. I got up and tried to print my sermon off, and our printer wouldn't work. So I was like, ah, no problem. I'll get it at church. So I came up to church, and the printer's busted. So I sat down and scribbled real fast on a piece of scrap paper. I think what I was going to talk about, I don't remember. I make half this up anyways, I think. So one of my when I was a kid, one of my favorite football coaches was uh was Don Shula. You young guys may not remember who Don Shula was, but for a long time he was the coach of the, the Miami Dolphins. And uh I believe he even coached another team before that. I can't that's before my time, but he uh of course was a you know very successful coach, and one of the things that they asked him, what's the secret of your success? And Shula used to brag about how, how much he was a grinder. I'm a grinder. Well, what do you mean, coach? Oh, man, I, I am constantly in the office, breaking down film. I'm evaluating players. I'm scouting the other team. I'm going through statistics. I mean, we grind. We just keep after it. And people who work on my staff, well, they got to be grinders too. They got to get in there and work. And, you know, people who think this is a, a nine to five job, well, no, I mean, we'll put in 80, 90 hours a week or more and keep grinding, keep grinding. Almost to the point where it was, it beca- within the coaching community, being a grinder was a, it was a badge of honor. It was something that everybody aspired to. Uh, Woody Hayes used to sleep in his office. He used to, uh, I mean, they'd go in there, people would go in in the middle of the night, and he'd be sitting there asleep. The film would just be, you know, had run out, but it just kept going. He'd just sitting in there. He'd wake up and start working again, and he'd just keep going. And almost to the point where it became almost a mythology. You know, Woody Hayes and all the time he spent in there working and going after it, and and just how amazing that was. Well, Don Shula told this story one time how he had worked so hard and he was so focused on what he had done. He went home in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning, got a couple hours of sleep, back up, four, showered, out the door, and uh, heading back to the office. Got to go back to work. Got to start grinding. Well, his wife had left a message on the door. It said, take out the trash. So Shula, he, he gets the trash and he throws it in the back of his car, in the back seat, because he's just going to, at the end of the driveway, he's going to set it up. Of course, he gets in the car and he's thinking football already and vroom, right on to practice facility, shut the door, locked the car, went and started working. He grinded all that day, spent the whole night there, got up the next day, grinded the whole other day, and then that evening finally decided to go home, opened up his, his, the door to his car, and it just stunk to heaven in there. Because he had left his trash in there, and it had been in there, down in the Miami heat, you know, it gets nice and toasty in there. And He said the rest of the season, his car, you know, it just stunk like that. And I got to thinking about, you know, as far as, as people go, many of us, we go and go and go and go to the point where 
everything stinks. I mean, we just flat run out of energy. We, we lose focus. Uh, we just flat get overwhelmed. It's so easy to get overwhelmed in today's society, especially in a, in a, in a society that really kind of champions the people who are grinders. Keep going. Keep working. We like people who work, work, work. People who can pull themselves up by their own bootstraps and, and, and make something, the old Protestant work ethic. I can do it myself. I'm going to work hard. I don't need any help. One of my best friends, he says, that's, we were talking one day, you know, what does it mean to be a man? I don't know what brought that on, but he, being a man is, is taking care of your family. To me, that's what being a man is. I have to take care of the house, get the bills paid, and, and if I can't do those things, I don't feel like I'm being a, a, a man. And I'm like, man, I must not be a man then because I'm horrible with the bills. And, you know, I'm, I'm the type, you know, in college I'd be driving to class and there'd be like McDonald's stuff packed, you know, stacked up in the back seat, all the trash, you know, whoop, throw back there. Not too worried about that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers chapter 11. And uh, Numbers is, for those of you who are still learning where things are in the Bible, Numbers is towards the beginning of the Bible. I think it's the fourth book in. Numbers chapter 11. Now, for most people, unless you're Jewish, or you're really interested in the history of the uh, the Hebrew people, you're probably not going to spend a whole lot of time in numbers. But, you know, for people today who are so overwhelmed, who have so much going on, and I would throw myself in that category, a lot of you would. This is going to make a lot of sense. Now, in Numbers chapter 11, of course, Moses had led the people out of Egypt They've made their way into the, uh, you know, past the, uh, uh, the sea, and, and now they're out and kind of into the desert, and they've got to feed all these people and take care of them, and they've got to kind of fight their way out, and, and there's all this, this conflict and strife going on. Chapter 11, now the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. And when the Lord, when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. That'll teach you for crying about it and whining. And the people therefore cried out to Moses. They quit crying out to God. God was like, I've had it. And some of them got zapped. But the people therefore cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died out. And it goes on... Um, Verse 4, the rabble who were among them had greedy desires, and also the sons of Israel wept again and said, Who give us meat to eat? We remember the, the fish we used to eat free in Egypt, the, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Mm. But now what do we get? There's nothing to look at except this manna. Day after day, manna. And birds that just kind of fall out of nowhere. I mean, this is what we, we eat day in and day out. 
We're tired of it. Now the manna was like coriander seed and its appearance like that of bedillium, whatever that is. I, I didn't look it up. The people would go about it and gather it, grind it between two millstones or beat it in the mortar and boil it. How many recipes can you make out of manna? Reminds me when Neola and I first got married. I can't tell you how many meals we made out of noodles and mashed potatoes. Noodles and mashed potatoes, ramen noodles, and we'd eat, look, we got big noodles, and then little noodles, and skinny noodles, and we could put beef in it, and after a while, both of us were like, oh, you know, more noodles. The people would go about and gather it up, and they would do their things with it, and then the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall with it. Verse 10, now Moses heard the people weeping. Throughout their families, each man at the doorway of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you been so hard on your servant? Why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all this people on me? All they do is they cry and they, they throw a fit and they, they complain about everything. And Verse 12 was it I who conceived all these people? Was it I who brought them forth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing infant? What'd you do, God? You, you led these people out and you're the one who led them out. Why don't you take care of them? No, no, I'm the one that gets stuck with listening to them cry all the time. Verse 13, where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they weep before me saying, give us meat that we may eat. Verse 14, I, am, I alone am not able to carry all, this, all these people because it's too burdensome. So if you're going to deal fuss with me, please kill me at once. Just kill me now. <laughs> you ever get to the point where you're like, you know what, Lord, just take me now. I'm fed up. I've had it. This is what the Christian life's supposed to be. You know, I'm, I'm burned out. I've had it. People are on my last nerve. Lord, take me now. When I was a little kid, I always laughed at uh, Fred Sanford. Uh, 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 this is a big one. Was a Christian, and I found myself, you know, threatening to have the big one for many times. Take me now, Lord. Take me now. So here we have Moses, who's royally fed up. He's had it. He's a leader of this of the people. He has huge responsibilities. God has placed that responsibility upon his shoulders. And yes, Moses, you're the one that's got to listen to these people cry and whine and fuss. Now, if there were Christians there, they probably would have ran up to Moses. It's okay, Moses. God won't give you more than you can bear. It'll be okay, Moses. You just got to have more faith. It'll be all right. This will make you, make you stronger. This is going to make you more, you know, like, like the Father. I've had many people tell me that in times of trouble. You know, God will never give you more than you can handle. 
The problem is the, the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which is where a lot of people get this from. 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. This is a letter written by Paul. Paul was one of the first apostles. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, oh, let's, I'm, I'm always one, I'm big for context. So let's start with verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation, excuse me, has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. What is this verse talking to us about? God will not allow us to be overtaken by what? Temptation. It doesn't say anything about being overwhelmed or I'm fed up or I'm just one bad thing after another. I can't take it anymore. Uh, you know, what's the deal here? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 is about temptation. Not necessarily the fact that we will be overwhelmed, that we will be overtaken by the cares of this life, that even as Christians, we will find ourselves at time being overwhelmed. We'll find ourselves questioning God, how much more can I take? I thought you were going to... Help me to get through this. I still believe God will do that. But there is no promise that as people of God, we won't at times be overwhelmed. That we will get to the point where we can't take it anymore. There's not, it's not a sin. I've, there's a lady that I work with. I've told you her story before. She lost her daughter about a year ago in a car accident. And she feels guilty because she just feels like, I can't take it anymore. I ought to have more faith. I ought, to, I ought to, you know, why can't I get through, why can't I believe better? You know, those kinds of questions. Do you feel overwhelmed? Do you feel overwhelmed in your life? Do you feel overwhelmed in your, at your job? Are you overwhelmed at school, kids? You had it at school? People messing with you? Are you overwhelmed in your marriage? You just can't get along? We've all been there. God never said those days wouldn't come. If you feel overwhelmed, get in line behind Moses. Moses is fed up. You know, it's almost a spiritual myth. You know, just pull up our bootstraps, man. We're going to work it out. We just got to keep grinding. You know, what we need to do is rely more on God's strength. Because it's in our weakness that God is made strong. Part of our culture is we can't look weak. I can't let you see me be vulnerable. I can't let you see me struggling. I don't want anybody to know what I'm going through. Because I've got to be strong. i got to look... 
The Bible says it's in your weakness that God is made strong. Not through your own strength. Another thing I've heard, you know, God will let you bend a little bit, but not break. I'm not so sure about that either, because I know God loves broken things. When I was saved, I was a pretty broken person. Many of you, your stories are very much the same. God wants to take broken people, and that's where his strength is demonstrated. Now I can really get busy, God says. Now that you're broken. Because we have to learn to rely on God, rely on his, on his strength. I did a, a, I actually read this out of a, a magazine article, but I went and did some research on myself to see if this was really true. And I found at least 45 to 50 blogs uh, websites, all of it dealing with this idea that God will not give me more than I can handle. And then they would talk about all these stories and all these different things. And a lot of it, I think they just missed the, the point. You know, yes, God wants to work with you when you're broken. He didn't want to save us out of every calamity. Because it's through those things that God really begins to move. Now, God does not want ill for his children. He doesn't want anybody to suffer. There are many passages of Scripture that talk about that. But the world is what it is. We live in a fallen world where there is pain, where there is suffering. But we have a God who will work with us through those times. I've often said, you've heard me use this illustration before. I, I, you know, I may someday be in the kingdom and the Lord may say, John, and you were way off on that one. But, you know, I, I really believe in times of tragedy for the people of God. As we go through, I mean, like, like accidents and crashes, 9-11. Unless it be his specific will, we'll go through that. But he will go with it, with us. He won't leave us alone. We won't be by ourselves. I'm going with you through the wilderness. Yeah, I, I found 45 to 50 blogs probably, you know, you know God's not going to give you more than you can handle. You can just pick yourself right up, Christian. Up by your bootstraps. Because you're strong enough in the Lord, you can do it. Man, that all sounds great. But I know there have been plenty of times when I've said, Lord, this is the big one. Take me now, like Moses. It was interesting. Most of these blogs were written by women. Not that women are whiners. That's not the point. But... I think it's because in a lot of the situations, a lot of it was about home life. Women do a lot of the heavy lifting. <laughs> they do the heavy lifting. God bless her. Neola used to say, I have five children. I'm the, the oldest, I think. 
But she was the one who made sure people got to church. People got, uh, had, had nice things to wear. People went to school. People were punctual. People learned right and wrong. People did certain things. Dad's just kind of like, eh, eh, you need to listen to your mother. <laughs> Let's turn to Luke chapter 10. You've all heard this story, I'm sure. Luke, speaking of uh, somebody who was doing the heavy lifting and was pretty worn out. Uh, Luke chapter 10, start at verse 38. This is the story of Martha and Mary and Jesus. Jesus is coming to visit and they're trying to, you know, okay, the Lord's coming. What are we going to do? If you're like me, like my mom, will, my mom will text me, hey, we're thinking of stopping by. Uh, is that okay? Yeah, sure, Mom, come on over. We know we got about 10 minutes exactly to run through the house, put things away, clean up, run around, you know. And then she shows up and we're like, oh, we've just been hanging out, you know, not doing anything. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to do all the serving? Tell her to help me. Lord, we're happy to have you here. We got a lot to do. Can you please tell her to... Come, in, come here and help me. I'm sure there were other people there. Men were there. Other women were there. But the Lord answered and said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I'd just like to be Martha. Duh. You said what? <laughs> But, but, but we got all this stuff that's got to get... No, the important thing is, look, I'm here. The Lord is here. Come on in and sit down. That's the important part. Doesn't matter what your house looks like. Doesn't matter what your car looks like. What matters is that you, the priorities are set. Martha, you're overwhelmed and you're fed up with a lot of things in life. You're worried about a lot of stuff that, frankly, it doesn't matter. You're letting yourself get overwhelmed. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 18. I know we're, it's a tour de force, or what, however you say that, a tour de force of the Bible. We're going back and forth here. Exodus chapter 18. Exodus would be the second book of the Bible, towards the front. Exodus is about the exodus, the, the leaving of the people of, of the Hebrew people from Egypt. Exodus chapter 18. Now remember Moses, last time we, we talked about him, he was pretty well fed up with all his responsibilities, with all the, with the whining and the crying and all the stuff going on with the family. Exodus chapter 18. Chapter 18, let's start at verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, Look, the thing that you're doing is not good. 
You know, every son-in-law likes to hear his father-in-law say, hey, you know what, you're screwing up, buddy. Well, let me tell you how you really ought to... Yeah, we really love that. Verse 18, you will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Now listen to me. I'll give you counsel and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who will fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain. You shall place these over them as leaders. And it goes on, you know, basically, you need to go out and get some people to help. You can't do this all by yourself. You can imagine Moses probably wondering, yeah, but God asked, I'm the one who's supposed to have led them all out of Egypt, and, and I'm the one that's got to do all this. And Jethro saying, yeah, and guess what? You're overwhelmed. If you haven't noticed yet, God didn't save you out of being overwhelmed. You're letting it all get to you. You need some help. You need some help. How many times do we refuse out of foolish pride to get any kind of help? I don't need any help. I can, I can, I can take care of myself. I don't need your help. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be fine. I don't need any help. I, I can, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to make this on our own. I, I don't. The people of God need help just as anybody else would. In fact, God created the church to help meet the needs of the people. Of all people, the Apostle Paul, if you jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, this is a freebie. If you, if you don't want to jump there, that's fine. 2 Corinthians 12, I just thought of this one. Because this is one that resonates with me a little bit sometimes. Let's see if I can find it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, yeah, verse 7. It's about the thorn in the flesh. You've heard me preach about this before. Here's Paul, a man of God, uh, uh, somebody who had been anti-Christ for so many years until he met the Lord on the road in a vision, and he, he suddenly, you know, his life was changed, and now he became a powerful missionary, and he spread the gospel in the church. This is a, a superhero in, in a Christian sense. And yet, here's, here's Paul, verse 7. Uh, chapter 12, verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Thanks a lot, God. I did all this stuff. You called me out, and, and, and basically, to, to make this in the 21st century, so that I wouldn't get a fat head, God give me a thorn in the flesh just to remind me of what's uh, you know, really important, lest I, I suddenly feel like I'm the one who's you know, all that and wonderful. And... Considering this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. 
Have you ever had things in your life, sins in your life, where you have prayed and prayed and prayed to God, take this away? He doesn't take it away. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. When's the last time you boasted about your weaknesses? When's the last time you went to church and said, you know, I was so overwhelmed this week, I had so much to do, I just couldn't do it anymore. So I called up, uh, I called up uh, Charlie, and Charlie came over and he helped me do something. Or how about a real life example? Uh, that that, that uh, storm that went through was so bad, it knocked down three or four trees, and, and I know I'm no good with a chainsaw, so let's get John to come out and cut up a tree for us. John cuts right through that thing. I didn't talk to John for a while because I felt stupid. I got two chainsaws. I, I can't even cut up an, my own tree. I had to get some guy from church to come out and do it. Well, God bless that he did it. That tree would still be laying there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God's power is demonstrated through our weakness. Because I can't cut up a tree to save my life, God brought John into our life. He cut up that tree, and then a year or two later... John gets sick, and I'm suddenly in a position where I can minister to him. God's power is demonstrated through our weakness. We don't have to have it all together, people. My grace is sufficient for thee. We need to be real as a church. We need to start being more real about what our needs really are. I know we're getting to a point of transition again. Kyle will be coming. It is still my hope and my dream that as we pass off to Kyle, and we bring in a full-time minister whose job it will be to shepherd the flock, not just get up and give a good speech once a week. His job is to look after each of us. How many of us are willing to set aside our pride and say, yeah, I know you're a kid, but I, I need a little help. I don't understand this stuff in the Bible. I don't understand how this, what this is all about. I don't get why I got to do this. Can you help me? There are needs. Everybody that came in here today has needs. We all, all have weaknesses. We're all, at times, overwhelmed. Instead of reassuring one another that, you know what, God's not going to let you handle more than you can, can take. As if to say, you know, go on your merry way. You know, God be with you. He'll take care of you. You just got to have more faith. How about instead we say, you know what, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to help you? I don't want to judge you. 
It is in our weakness that God's strength is demonstrated. You know, our church has needs. There are concerns that I have about our congregation. Any group of people that you have, you're going to have things come up. But I know some of you are struggling. Some of you want to pretend you're not struggling, but you are, because I've been there. We have brothers and sisters who haven't been here in months. And I'll call them up, and, oh, well, I'm thinking about coming back. And all I want them to say is, you know what? I'm just a mess. Because now God's strength can be demonstrated through that. And that's what this church should be about. When you come in through these doors, all of the guards, all of the walls ought to just... No, I don't want to go around confessing everything. I, we're not like the Methodists with all the confessors. You know how they, they get together and they spill their guts to each other and stuff. I don't think we want to go to that. But, but if we have a legitimate need, if we're overwhelmed, don't be afraid to ask for help. And if I can't help you, I can find somebody that can. I had a huge need in my life one time. I reached out to somebody in this church. They pointed me in a, in, a, in a good direction. I had to get some help. And it benefited me. It helped my life. But I had to be finally broken enough to say, look, I got a problem. I can't do... And somebody else had to have enough, lost enough pride to say, look, I, I can't help you. I don't want to pretend to be Superman here, so you, you go talk to this guy. He'll fix you up. Oh, foolish pride. Oh, how I hate pride. It's my middle name. You probably put that on my headstone. Here's John. Wrestled with pride his whole life. Well, all of us have needs. We all want to be real. I'm just encouraging you today. If you have a need in your life, understand that God doesn't want you to wallow in that need and, and somehow magically one day you're going to get super strength and bust through it and God wants us to rely on one another. God wants us to be broken before him so that then he, through his mighty strength and his power, can lift us up. Don't be afraid to, to, to be like Moses and say, Lord, I've had it. I've fed up, I've had it. That's not a sin. That's part of the human condition. We all get to that point. And it's at that point God says, yes, now I can really get to work. Now my power is perfected through weakness. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, I thank you for this day. Lord, help us as a people to love you and to understand that, you know, sometimes we all get overwhelmed. And maybe in some ways it pleases you that we get overwhelmed so that we finally begin to call out to you for help so that through our weakness, your strength can be demonstrated. It's like the Bible said, Lord, if we're going to boast about anything, let us boast about our weaknesses. See how God helped me through this weakness. I couldn't do it myself, but God could. Father, we love you today in the name of Jesus.
Amen.